this special report. Neil Armstrong may have seen extraterrestrials on the moon. When he spies a discernible shape. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. You can deny all the things I've seen. All the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Full Spectrum Universe. I am your host, Rob Yox. We have an exceptional show for you tonight. When I tell you we have something exceptional going on, we don't have any guests. It's just me. But there's one thing that I love to do for the people. I like to bring information. So just to glance over, one of the topics that we're going to be talking about tonight is they think that they've found a computer in ancient Egypt. Pretty wild, right? I think so. As you can see, I've got my wild hair, which means we're going to be doing a little bit of investigative reporting tonight as well. We're also going to be touching on basically what we're going to look at is six haunted houses and their grisly stories of why they are haunted. So we're going to go into a little bit of the background of the uh, incident that created this haunting or uh, perceptively created the haunting. But what we're looking at when we're doing this, too, is, you know, a lot of the trauma that happens in, you know, in these facilities is the reason why we go to them and we investigate them. So it's always great to know, you know, what's happening in these places. So we're going to get to that. But before we go Before we do any of that, I want to say a big, big congratulations to the Ghost Sisters, because on their first show, Ghost Sisters Paranormal, please go follow them on their Facebook page and on their YouTube page. They had almost 2000 views on their premiere episode on the Full Spectrum Network. It is a remarkable thing. And you ladies did a hell of a job, a hell of a job. Uh, they had Caretaker Rick on. You can also find that on uh, Full Spectrum Universe YouTube page. And, you know, these ladies put it all out there, okay? <clears throat> let's be honest. Let's be frank. Let's stop being quaint about it. They put it all out there for you guys to digest and enjoy. They are a phenomenal team. They do phenomenal work. And we are here to support them 110%. Now, since we are Full Spectrum Network, that is only one of the shows that we had premiered last week. Another show we had was Cats Fight Club. This one is a Rumble-only exclusive. Reason being is there's some things that YouTube will ban us for if we talk about them. So we're not going to go there. So if you're looking for that cutting edge, you know, things that you don't really see everywhere, please go to Rumble. Then look for Full full Spectrum Universe for FSU, and you will find this incredible show. Amber Rose and uh, Kathleen Fitzgerald, they go in. When I mean go in... They talk about some topics that are not normally talked about. Really, really great. So not only that, we have, of course, Full Spectrum Universe, which is myself. We also have Full Spectrum News. Full Spectrum News is where you can get your up-to-date stuff. We are currently revamping the show. It hasn't been on for two weeks. But next week, I I do have a feeling that it's going to premiere again. 
which is really, really great. And one of the shows that, <clears throat> that we do once in a while is called Theory Thursday, where me and my friend Omar, we go into speculating on theories. Also, we also have uh, quite a, a couple of mediums. As you know, Mandy is a medium, but we also have Melinda, rescue medium Melinda, who's actually doing a live right now. and do, She's doing some card readings. But we also have a show called The Seer and the Scholar. I know you. everybody's looking at saying, well, you know, it's pretty crazy because you're on every show. And, and I don't want to be. I am the producer as well. But until we get to the point where we have a lot more standalone type of uh, shows like the Ghost Sisters have, I will be on some of the shows. Just to, you know, I have full confidence, everybody. It's just that I try and fill gaps where I can. But we wanted to make sure we had an, at least a few, a few shows of programming for you to digest and indulge in. But, you know, if one, if anybody could do this for me is share and like this video and also go to our business page on Full Spectrum Universe inside of Facebook. Please like and follow that. Uh, there is so much that we have to go through tonight. So one of the first things I want to sh tell everybody is, you know, for me, you know, one of the things that is going on with this whole time period is there is a lot of <clears throat> a lot of places that are just coming to reopen so one thing i want to say to people is stay safe out there and you know do your due diligence to be well equipped while out there fighting the pandemic and also investigating so with all that being said i want to talk about you know what it is that is so intriguing about paranormal especially for me too you know and one of the things that i love is coming into contact with groups why why, why do I like coming in contact with groups? Because they see things in a different light. And one of the things that I think is so big, so big that we can take from each other is, and I, I say this to everybody, I actually, we're on stereo as well. I'm on stereo as FS underscore network. And, you know, one of the things that I love is connecting dots. So I have this set of dots, right? We're on the premise that I have this whole set of dots and sometimes I come into situations where I can't connect those dots. So what happens, right? What happens is we find other people to fill in those gaps. And when we find people to fill those gaps in, it makes it so much easier for us to connect our own dots. That's why, you know, this whole thing of para unity, it's a big deal. And a lot of people, they see it as a big deal. Some don't. Some people can't even get behind it. I think that it's something we all truly need to work on because, it's going to help us connect our own dots, if you understand what I mean by that. So, you know, enough said about that. There's So let's get into a little bit of ancient Greece. Ancient Greece is pretty wild. And just so everybody sees, what we're going to do is we're going to share the screen. Archaeologists found this specific item in the early 1900s, okay? And within the early 1900s, they found this device. And this device to them, as you can see, what it is right here, this is a, they thought it was a clock, right? So we're looking at this, it kind of does look like a clock. Looks like it has small gears behind it, but it's not a clock, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to make it full screen so you can see it a little bit better. It's not a clock. They believe that this specific item is a computer. And, and you say, but it's, how could ancient Greece have a computer? It's calculating. That's what they, 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 they say that it's a computer because it's actually calculating what is happening and what's going on in that sense. And 
what I mean by that is let me let me explain it a little bit more. We're going to stop sharing screen reader to bring it back to me. So this ancient Greek computer of more than a thousand years ahead of its time was able to accurately predict the motions of planets and stars, even when they would appear to move backwards across the sky. So this is called the Antikythera mechanism. It was discovered in a shipwreck off the coast of Greece in the early 20th century. Archaeologists immediately speculated it was some kind of astronomical clock, but figured it was probably had uh, a renaissance in origin due to its complexity. So they believed that this specific item was built between the years of 100 B.C. and 200 B.C. And for those of you who know history, this is the uh, the edifice of the Greek culture and uh, the arts, the science. That's what this stuff is, is it's this it's this leap forward. And, you know, one of the things that this tells us, and I'll get into it a little bit further, is that these serious these cultures were so much further advanced that we ever give them credit for. And that to me is fascinating. It's fascinating because, you know, a lot of uh, theorists, shall we say, they speculate. And what do they speculate? They speculate that uh, essentially that life has come and gone on this planet five to six times. You know, we've heard of Atlantis. We've heard of Lumeria. We've heard of all these different places that have no evidence of ever being around. And now what happens is it's like a society gets to its peak and then a catastrophe happens. And once that catastrophe happens, you know, all evidence of this specific society is lost. And, you know, they found evidence of this multiple times. And if we want to go back in history and look at what might give them that conclusion is look at the dinosaurs, right? So from what we understand, the dinosaurs roamed the earth for a million years. And then all of a sudden a meteorite came into the Gulf of Mexico changing the weather at such an awkward rate for these reptilian beings that essentially they died off. But when we get further into it, and I mean, we can keep going. There's a lot of stuff we can speculate. But one thing I do know is that, you know, I don't believe that the dinosaurs died off when they said that they died off. We have ancient Sumerian type of cave paintings that show men riding on Brontosaurus Rex and Triceratops. We also have different uh, cave paintings that show the footprint of dinosaurs alongside the handprint of man, whether that, you know, and when they carbon date it, it's it goes back quite a ways. You know, a lot of written history says that we only go back 12,500 years. Uh, they have found evidence to contradict that in ropes, pottery that go back almost 300,000 years. So, I mean, it's it's pretty wild to think about that. Right. If 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 life is older than we make it out to be, what extraordinary items or cultures or civilizations were out there that we know nothing about, you know, and that to me is ultimately fascinating. It's ultimately fascinating. So, you know, I I love this kind of stuff, this kind of history. You know, it gets my blood boiling because I get to investigate, you know, but one of the things that's, you know, mostly said when people see or hear about this stuff is where's that information coming from? You know, nine times out of 10, it's a stretch. You have to go and theorize what either happened or what the society was because not, not too many people know. And there's a lot of stuff that we have to do to, 
to change our thinking when it comes to that. And one of the other reasons why they don't let these societies come to the forefront where we can explore them like that is because it'll change the known history that they've been teaching in schools and, you know, to everybody or that they've already made for the last 100, 150 years. Everybody believes this specific type of history. So for them to go back now and say that that was wrong or change it, it could have drastic repercussions on society. It could have drastic repercussions on the mind. So they try not to you know, let that stuff go. But, you know, at the same time, we have to think a little bit b- a bigger picture. And I think eventually some more truths will come out that maybe we're not privy to today. So one of the things we we're going to get to actually before we go into the haunted locations is one of the things that I put in the uh, in the uh, description of tonight's episode is the Elisa Lamb. It's this is a. They don't know whether it's a suicide or a murder, but it has to do with the Cecil Hotel. And the Cecil Hotel has so much paranormal evidence and so many things, people disappearing. And, you know, what what happened to this woman, Alisa Lamb? Nobody really knows, but there is video of her on an elevator. It's a three minute and 59 second video. And we're going to go over that, too. Because we have to look at the evidence to go forward and see what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about in this in the sense of what happened. But we also have theories on what possibly happened, the different types of theories that could essentially uh, basically contradict what the police have said and the evidence that the police had. So we're gonna go over some of that too. And to me. I talked about this in a stereo episode today, and it was ultimately fascinating. When I mean fascinating, this to me was one of the craziest stories I've heard to date. I mean, what? let's go over what exactly happened, right, before we watch the video. So there's a female, you know, thank you, Dave, uh, Dave said that my shows are always fascinating. That's RU Media, the head of RU Media. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you. And we have Mandy in the audience. Mandy, thank you for sharing out. And uh, we have Appalachian Memes in the audience. Awesome to have you guys on board. It's such a huge group. It's over a million people. Uh, one of the reasons why we've been getting the views that we've been getting. And uh, I want to appreciate everybody out there that's listening in Appalachian Memes. I, I believe tonight when we talk about the six haunted locations that we're going to go over, and the stories behind why they might be haunted. Some of those may fall within the Appalachia area. So, you know, keep an ear out for that. And I also want to say hi to Rick. Rick was on with Mandy this week. And uh, they did an excellent episode. Rick doesn't talk to too many people. Rick got on with Mandy. And it was phenomenal. Rick actually owns the shrine and the Uru shrine and the dragon table that we discussed last week on the episode. So, I mean, thank you to Par- Outlaw Paranormal for being there as well. But, you know, thank you, David, for being here. So let's get into what this is, right? So let's, I digress a little bit. So what happens? A woman of Korean descent stays at the Cecil Hotel. Now, the Cecil Hotel has a resident side and it's got a hotel side. So one of the things you're going to say when we look at the video and we try to explain what exactly happened, you're going to say to me, how come? There isn't more cameras. If this place is a hotel, 
Why isn't there more cameras besides the elevator cam? Well, as per a residential area, you have to have permission of the residents at large to to put up cameras like that. So the fact that this hotel has residents as well, they cannot put cameras up everywhere, right? So let's keep going. This woman enters the elevator. She is on the elevator for, I want to say, about seven to eight minutes. Some really strange things happen while she's on the elevator. And we're going to get into what those are. And once you see the video and I go into the theories, it may explain more. Now, they ruled this death a suicide. Some say and theorize it's a homicide. Some say that there are supernatural or paranormal uh, things that happened and occurred, which led to this woman's death. So ultimately, they find this woman inside of a water tank on the roof. Very sad story. And our, you know, our, our prayers and thoughts go out to the family. I apologize for turning this into a show. But it's so fascinating. And there's so many things that we have to look at to speculate exactly what happened. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get to that to that ultimate conclusion that will give justice to this untimely death and unfortunate death. So when they find her in this water tower, now the water towers aren't huge. We will show you those as well. Now, there's there's a lot of speculation of what happened while she was in the water tower. Did she drown? Did she commit suicide? She did have mental health issues, but she went into there and she was naked when they found her with her clothes in her hand within the water tower as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on here, a lot of stuff. And to me, it doesn't all add up. And when things don't all add up, there's probably more to the story than we're being led on to know. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going to go over exactly what happened while she was in this elevator. Now, just to preface this a little bit first, before we go into that video, she does a lot of strange things while in this elevator. So I want you to keep out for feet by the door, not her feet, somebody else's feet. I want you to watch <clears throat> the way that she basically presses all the buttons and in the manner that she presses those buttons. I also want you to take into consideration the motions of her hands while she's on that elevator. Okay. There's a lot of strange stuff. And honestly, I can't really explain all of it. But what I can do is give you those cues to follow. So you can watch it as well. And again, we are not politicizing this woman's death. We are not using it for clickbait or for, for ratings. I don't care if anybody watches this. What I want to do is I want to give her her in her justice. I want to I, if there is somebody who is intentionally involved in this, I want to get to the bottom of that. If this was a suicide, I want you know, I want to give some justice to the family as well. So it is hard to watch. Not, not this particular video, but knowing that she is a little bit mentally ill, you'll find it some a little bit difficult. But that's why I want to make sure I get over all the disclaimers before we show this. And I think it's super important that we say those things because you're going to see a woman 
to me who doesn't seem to be mentally there. But there's a lot of strange things and occurrences that happen. So let me tell you, you be the judge. Is this paranormal? Is it mental illness? And I'm going to give you the ultimate, the viewers, the ultimate judgment call on this. But what I want you to do is in the comments, once we're finished watching this video, I want you to tell me what you think. Now knowing some of the story, and then, like I said, we're going to go over theories. So put whatever you, put your comments on what you think happened and what might be happening or occurring. And then we're going to go into the theories and we're going to come together with the comments and the theories and see who was closest and see exactly what had gone on and, and you know, in the eyes of the audience. So let's share this screen. Uh, there is not a lot of sound to this. So I apologize for it to be a little bit quiet, but this is something that's beyond strange okay so we start with an elevator we see that let's play the video and go into it
So, yeah, one of the things that threw me off on that video was, I mean, it could be a sensor of sorts. It could be some kind of sensor. But how many, how long did those doors stay open, especially even when she was hiding in that corner, right? So it there's the, it looks like as if she was being pursued or chased or hiding at that moment, right? So if she's hiding, what exactly is happening? Who is she hiding from? There's nobody else that enters the elevator. It looks like there's nobody that she should be afraid of. But if you notice, when she went to go creep out of the elevator, she was doing some weird hand motions, too. Which anybody who knows a craft knows that small hand gestures can essentially conjure things or, you know, put something into a bad nature. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. Why the door stayed open so long. When she wasn't even near the door in the beginning. Why she bent down to hit the buttons the way she did. Right? What is going on in this elevator? What's happening? So, we've got theories, right? We've got a lot of theories. And one of the things I'm going to show you right now is I'm going to show you the water tank that she was stuck in. And as terrible as that is, it's the water tank that basically where they found her. They they reported her missing for many days and couldn't find. You see over here, this tank right here. So they're not huge. They're not huge. But the thing is to get into one of these tanks would take an incredible feat of strength to open or to even get inside very very hard these the doors are especially being on a roof okay there's rust there's hinges are probably half worked you would have to wd-40 and take a crowbar to get them open this woman was 5'4 110 pounds how did she get that open how did that happen how did that happen it doesn't make sense Another aspect that doesn't make sense. So this is one of the reasons why people believe that she was murdered was because to put her where she was would have taken one or two more, two or more people probably to lift and get her inside. But they, they found no evidence of any, you know, this, of course it's 2013. So there's no Forensic evidence to prove that somebody was with her. Or that, you know, now here's the other part that you don't see on the tape that I have to say up front too. There are 57 seconds of video that nobody can recover. It was chopped out of the original video, and the cops couldn't even recover that 57 seconds. And they went to everybody to try and recover it. So what, what, where is that 57 seconds? What happened within those 57 seconds? And why, why is it gone? Does it, it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes sense. And this is the part that's like, okay, 
why we're going into this stuff, but really this is this is wild stuff. Something's going on here. Something supernatural is happening. And that is thoroughly my belief. And when we get into it more, I'm going to explain why they make more sense. Okay. But now you've seen the video. We've gone over some of what essentially supposedly is happening as per reports and things like that. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to get into the theories of it. And when we start getting into the theories, you're going to scratch your head. I wish I had a sound effect that's a, a head scratcher of what the hell is happening and why. Why is it happening? Right? So there's so much to go over, guys. There's so much to go over. Plus, like I said, we still have six haunted locations that could possibly be some of the places that you may be exploring within the next year. Once you hear some of the stories about it, you're definitely going to want to, you know, you're definitely going to want to go into it and, and, and see what's happening with these places. The history is rich. And when the history is rich, the investigations are rich. And we all know that. So stay tuned for that. But for now, let's get into these theories. So, you know, <laughs> to me, this, this specific thing definitely seems supernatural. I'm saying that right off the bat. So I'm not impartial to it. I'm not. I have my own thoughts about it. Okay. So let's get into the theories themselves. As we know, within the first few minutes, this is actually, I forgot to tell you, this is actually a, a new Netflix documentary as well. But I feel like we're going to do it a little bit more justice than the Netflix documentary. I really do. I really do. So let's go to some of the background of who Alyssa Lamb is. She's a 21-year-old student, and the story says that she was supposed to check out of the Cecil Hotel on February 1st, 2013. This was the same day she was reported missing. Investigators went to her room to search for evidence, but found, but found staff had removed all of her belongings. She'd left valuables, clothes, and her medication phone and her laptop behind. That's one of the, of the moments that you're like, well, wait a minute. This seems like foul play, right? It very well could be. But the fact that the staff moved her stuff, there, there's no, you know, there's no real explanation for that. That's one of those things that's like, why would they do that? If it's a crime scene, I bet you it was because they had to get ready for another guest to come in and she was supposed to check out already. They didn't know she was missing yet. So the hotel staff had seen her in an area of the hotel where guests weren't allowed. That was the residential area I was telling you about. And the fact that they didn't have cameras there was because it's residential. Can't spy on people in their homes. So if the people live there, they can't have those cameras there. So. They had to ask her to leave, which she did. She walked towards the elevator, and this was the last time anybody saw her alive. There were no cameras on the floor. Elisa was trying to was st was staying at, but around a week after she went missing, the strange, now viral CCTV footage of Elisa in the hotel elevators was discovered. This helped police come to the conclusion that she was still at the hotel. That is what we just showed you. That stuff on the elevator is, I mean, that's that's the whole thing of what we're going off of. That's part of 
really what we're talking about. That's really what it's all about. This evidence on the elevator. I mean, this thing is spooky from start to finish. Did you see the way that she was hitting those buttons while putting her face right up to it? And there's a reason that they have in the theories that she might have been doing that. So we're going to get into that, too. This is wild stuff. Guys, I, I can't tell you how I heard this today. And I'm sorry to keep going off topic. But, you know, I was on stereo. We do like impromptu episodes on stereo. Me and some of the people. I actually found a couple of new hosts that are going to be coming onto the network with true crime uh, podcasts. Some people are going to be doing a holistic mental health and physical health meditations. I mean, we have a lot of people coming up. But so somebody ever said to me, did you ever hear about the Elisa Lamb uh, murder? I said, no, no, I haven't. And this woman went into great detail. Her name is Liz. Went into great detail about this specific uh this specific incident what had happened was i was like you know i'm going on to a podcast later which is my own podcast and it's on a paranormal site so i went and asked the people what should i do as a subject of tonight's episode you know sometimes i set up episodes weeks days before tonight i was at a loss you know i was going to have a guest but the guest you know ended up not happening because we didn't schedule it properly but regardless so I said to myself, what can I do tonight's episode on? And I thought that this was like the super interesting thing to do. So, you know, we're talking about it. And she was schooling me on this that I had to go and read about it. You, you know, you ever get that piece of information? And we all have. Or that EVP that you have to listen to 300 times to make sure you heard it the right way? Of course you did. This is what I had to do with this. I had to look at every and any aspect of what this was to try and figure out what am I looking at? What is happening right here? Because I actually have no idea. Why is this so like, what, why is this such a wild thing? Why, why is this so interesting to me? What is something grabs a hold of you when you're watching and listening? And the fact that that video is there too, you're like, this is just, this is amazing. What is happening here? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, like I said, we're going to get back to it. So Alicia was found naked in a, a water tank on the hotel roof on February 19th. Guests had complained of the water tasting off and being black in color. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. The guests had complained of the water tasting off and being black in color. They were drinking Elisa. She was decomposing in the water tank. She was, like I said, she was reported missing on the 1st of February. And on the 19th of February, they still hadn't found her. They had no idea where she was. So that to me is gross one but two it's horrible that is horrible these people were literally drinking a decomposing body and you know i they also have a rumor that this woman was a test subject for tuberculosis so to put it even further out there you don't know what's happening here so let's keep going 
So, in a series and a number of web sleuths and YouTubers interviewed, they had discussed the number of theories that had been spread out about what could have happened to Elisa Lamb to lead to her death. So here's what they are. And, I mean, this is a terrible thing, guys. So, the official ruling of the death of Elisa Lamb was that it was a terrible accident. The official cause of death in the Alicia Lamb case was ruled an accidental drowning. Hotel workers reported finding her room in disarray, but meaning that it was messy. There was no signs of forced entry. There was also not a lot of evidence which made detectives believe that there was foul play. Detective Wallace Tennell, who was the lead, te- uh, lead detective on the case, said at the time he believed he believes she did actually accidentally drown. He had been told Alicia's sister that she had been taking four medications, including an antidepressant and mood stabilizer. Now, I don't have to go into what these psychotropic drugs do to the brain. They're terrible. Yes, some people need them to function properly. But if there is a natural way for you to curb your anxiety, for you to essentially do the things you need to do and get through day to day, I suggest staying away from these psychotropics because they have one of the most adverse effects to people's brains. And it is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. And I don't think anybody should really delve into that. I think that that's a really bad situation. But here's the thing, too. Now we go back to what we saw. And now looking at that evidence that she has, she's on psychotropics. When you see her in that elevator doing those really weird things, it sort of makes sense now, right? It does. Of course, she may be mentally unstable, mentally ill. Uh, uh, Absolutely. That is definitely one of the things that could happen. But, you know, there's more to this. I'm telling you. There's a lot more to it, and, uh, you know, I just, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going into it, and let's uh, let's have at it, right? So, this is the detective now. He told the CBC, my opinion is that she fell off her medication, and in her state, she happened to find her way onto the roof, got into the tank of water. At the time, I think the water tank was maybe full But as people used the tank and used the water, unknown to her, the level was dropping to a point where she could no longer reach out and escape, and then she died. Very plausible. Very plausible. But, you know, let's... When we look at her reasonings for going into into that water tank, what would be the reason for it? Not only is she getting into this water tank, she has to be adamantly strong to open the tank's lid. There's no way. There's no way. That, to me, is just, it's wild. It's a wild thing to think about. Okay, what's up, everybody? Hi, Omar. Omar's here. Thank you. From Liverpool. All right. Oh, that was Watcher's Talk. There we go. Amanda from Liverpool. I know the case you're talking about. Wasn't she a Canadian? Yes, Omar. She was a Canadian. She was originally from British Columbia. And 
that's where it gets a little wild a little bit later when we go into uh, uh, basically a theory is that she was carrying she was a test case for tuberculosis or an antibody to Turkey, like basically something to combat tuberculosis. And they believe that, you know, but here's the thing about that, right? Like her decomposing body and people drinking her in that sense, they would have gotten tuberculosis too, you know? That is your providence, but Omar said that's his providence. It definitely is your providence. That's British Columbia, my friend. But this is this gets wild. Like, let's I'm telling you, this gets really crazy. It gets really crazy. So guys, again, please share this out everywhere. Uh, I'm trying to share it out as I go, but I can't read from the article and tell you all about it. And uh, basically jock my memory while we're going through the article and share it out. So please, if you know a paranormal group, share it out there because this is what it gets to. This is all paranormal stuff. So, but one of the main theories is that Elisa Lamb took her own life. There are a lot of people who believe that Alicia wished to end her life. And this is evident. This is evident by her Tumblr and her Blogspot accounts are said to have mentioned her struggles with mental health in which anxiety and depression was prevalent. We know that. However, as reported by CBC, the coroner said a full review of circumstances didn't support the theory that Lamb ever wanted to harm herself. So again, doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. It, the Cecil Hotel is a seedy hotel. Definitely is. Omar said it's a seedy hotel. But here's the thing about the Cecil Hotel. The fact that it was seedy, this hotel has evidence of paranormal activity. There have been so many heinous crimes in this hotel that the Cecil Hotel essentially is the big, that's the biggest key that this is paranormal in nature because of all the things that happened at that hotel, all the evidence of people having sightings at this hotel and the paranormal experiences that have all happened at this hotel. So when you see that scene from the elevator, I just played that three minute scene. I mean, that is a wild thing to think about the hotel and all that stuff that was happening is like, it's crazy. That's crazy. There's a lot of stuff going on here that we just don't know about because of that hotel. Was there demonic possession? Was there any possession at all? Was she under the influence of an, an ethereal entity? Because when you see her standing in that corner, it looks like she's hiding and then she's looking back and forth. What is she looking at? There look there. There's, there is no sign of anybody else in that hotel or even by that elevator. It begs to question what the hell is going on here? And I'm going to keep saying that because we really have no idea. And by the end of this, we may not, but I'm exploring the options. Okay. I think that these options are huge and we have to explore them because there definitely is something going on. That's paranormal here. Uh, I feel it in my gut. I really do. And you may not agree with me. You may say, Hey, she got whacked. She's this, she's that. Maybe, maybe. It very well could be the case. And my friends, this is why we explore these things. This is why we investigate because all this stuff is completely, it's compelling. It's compelling to say the least. 
if, if you know, and I'm glad you're all here to to go over this with me because a lot of this stuff I've looked over and I just have no explanation for it. It gets weirder and weirder as we keep going. It gets weirder and weirder. So we're going to keep going. I mean, this, this is all we could do is collect all the evidence and then Occam's razor, that bad boy. So we're gonna, that's what we got to do. That's what it is. So basically, as we saw, there's a lot of stuff going on. We don't really know what's happening, but as we go further, there is the case that it was murder. Another popular theory is that Elisa Lamb was murdered. The main question raised in the case is, which have led to people believe this are, who was she gesturing at in the elevator? Why did she look disoriented and scared? Who was she hiding from in the corner of the elevator? How did she get up to the roof on her own? She was slim and petite. How did she lift the water tank lid off on her own? Why was she naked? And then how on earth did she manage to put the water tank lid back after climbing in, which is the biggest tell. There are a lot of things that just don't make sense. There's a lot of theories that could have potentially harmed her, you know, or who. It has been reported that before her death, Alicia was entering the hotel with two men who gave her a small box. The men were never identified. The box was found to be from the last bookstore which she visited on the last day she was alive. Whilst this, while, the, while this may seem like you know, an answer to a small mystery, people still aren't convinced. Alicia had also spoken on Tumblr about waiting to meet new people and explore. Had she come to harm from somebody she met online? Very well could be. Very well could be. Oh, Omar, yeah. He said, it seems every CCO hotel is like that. It's pretty true. They are seedy joints. But I'll tell you what, they're good for paranormal exploration, bro. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This was the same one's name that I'm in Alberta. And it was said to be haunted. See what I'm saying? These specific places, they all have this, this connection to the paranormal, which is wild it's wild it's wild to think about all this stuff you know like i keep thinking about all of it it's like holy crap what happened bro what happened so there's other theories right another theory thinks that somebody in the hotel was somehow involved in the death of elisa lamb which would explain the 57 minutes of missing video from that night from that elevator scene what happened? How in the world did this 57 minutes leave just just not ever be it was never found? They can't they can't even when they went to go look at the forensic uh video and they and they basically analyzed it forensically, they could tell that the video had never been tampered with, which is another mysterious it's another mysterious thing but you know what happens sometimes when people come into contact with paranormal entities these specific items like electronics don't seem to work that well skip or cease to function which is another reason that i feel that this is paranormal so 
what I want to know is that people who are out there, I want to know what your take is on it. There's more theories that we have to go over, but you know, I want to know what you think and what you're talking about. What, what's going on in your brain now seeing that video and me explaining to you what is actually happening? Because to be honest, I, I couldn't tell you what the hell is going on, but I do think that it's paranormal in nature. I really think that in my heart of hearts, I think that, and I think that that's going to be the end all be all of what's really going on. So one of the more out of there, one of the more out there theories is that the death of Alicia is linked to the creepy history of the Cecil hotel, which is what we were just talking about. You know, it's not just a ghost story. You know, the documentary that was just brought out on Google, on uh, Netflix, there's a lot of dark forces at the Cecil Hotel. The hotel has a very dark history of suicides, accidental deaths, murders, and violence, which had led people to think that something sinister is going on within the walls of the establishment. People think paranormal forces are there and lead people to do things that they wouldn't usually do. And just a quick you know, Google search of the Cecil Hotel will tell you that there have been around 80 deaths there just during the 10 years Amy Price managed it, and it's only a 700-room hotel, right? So people, they ask, why was the elevator not moving in the footage? And it claims it looks like Alicia was conjuring a spirit in a dark and bizarre clip. I told you her hands, her hands are moving and they're not moving in a natural way. Okay. They're not moving in a natural way. There's something going on there. There's ultimately back to the paranormal, right? And this last link, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a disclaimer. This last link and this last theory is so far out there that I'm not sure that I should even say it because I don't know what could be the consequences of saying it. You know how they like to, you know, especially nowadays, while on YouTube and while, you know, all these other places, you're not allowed to say certain things. So, you know, I'm going to say it and we'll see what happens. If this video can't be found tomorrow, you'll know why. It's probably because of this point. But, you know, there's this tuberculosis outbreak that they talk about, or that supposed outbreak in the area that essentially might have been the cause of what happened here. Now, whether I believe that or not, I don't know. I don't know. But, I think it has, like I said, more of a paranormal thing behind it, but we're going to keep going. You know, we're going to keep, we're going to keep doing this. I'm just sharing this out to the last few places that I've got here on my list, which is completely and utterly an hour in. And I'm still sharing out because of Facebook's new guise of how to share things, which is really, really, really upsetting. But just to say the least, I mean, you really got to, you got to type on every group, every group. Why? Why do I got to do that? Why do I got to do that? So, all right. The last theory. Theory also claims that Alicia Lamb was a tuberculosis test subject. It says this one's a weird one, but according to the Reddit, of course, we know Reddit is, you know, 
not really the place to really get your information from. But according to the Reddit people, they think that she was a test subject for the tuberculosis medicine. A Reddit post says after she was found, a huge outbreak of unique drug related uh, drug resistant tuberculosis occurred in the same area of her disappearance. How did you how how do you diagnose TB? And they named this strain of tuberculosis lamb Elysia test is how they tested for it. They named the test after this woman. And yes, there in 2013, there was a TB outbreak in downtown LA Skid Row. And one test for this is called the lamb Elysia test. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, there is something darker and more sinister in that aspect. And the fact that they named a test after this woman, they just they just made her name backwards. And that's that's the name of the test for the strand of tuberculosis. I mean, is anybody else not like like anybody else see a problem with that? Like I mean, for real, that is some really sick stuff, guys. It's really sick. It truly is to me. I think that it's just it's one of the wildest things I've ever heard. So this woman could potentially be. Oh, wow. Amanda Cox. Sorry to stop like that. I recently found an amazing woman on YouTube called Sloan Bella. She channeled. Who did she channel? Did she channel Elysia Lamb? And if so, what was said? I mean, I could, I could have you come into the studio and tell us all about it if you'd like. If that's something you're interested in, let me know. Put it in the comments and I'll get you in here. And we could talk all about it. Could talk all about it. So we keep going, right? So now that we've discussed that, there is one last theory that a a lamb, that must be Alicia Lamb, I'm assuming. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the invite into the comment section. And if you'd like to jump in and tell us all about this channeling in this uh, in the posts, a StreamYard, just click on the, it's under RU Media. Click on it, come into the studio and tell us all about it. But before we get there, let's talk about, well, it went in like three times. Holy cow. Captain Picard transported her into the tank. Maybe, maybe. That's a very, that's a very, you know, very, no, come on. <laughs> no, let's keep it serious. No, but. So there's there's one more theory, and that theory is the Korean elevator game. You're going to look at me and say the Korean elevator game? Now, this is more of a myth than a theory, right? So one of the most out there and unbelievable uh, by far is the Korean elevator game. It is a mythical game where players enter an elevator alone, press the button in a certain order, and this opens up another dimension. The entire game is very creepy and confusing and includes 
ignoring a strange woman who will enter the elevator along with you. And some believe in Alicia's case, this game went wrong. And one of the things that I, I read more into this specific game, and one of the things that you know that you're playing the game, like they said, a person in, in a big hood and cloak is going to come into the elevator. You must not look into this woman's eyes, right? Or something bad will happen. You ignore her completely. And when you're in the elevator, when the doors open and you, and, and you see a cross, a big red cross, you will know that you are in another dimension. That's how you figure it out. But that's, you know, that's weird and wild. That's weird and wild. So, I mean, what do you think, guys? Tell me what you think in the audience, because this is sort of one of those interactive type of, you know, it's kind of article. It's like an interactive type of article. You can give me your feedback on it. I mean, there is just so much that we can go into, you know, it, it, there's, you know, there's also some some theories of her misusing substances they also say that she was tormented by a ghost. And that theory is basically since its creation in 1924 in Skid Row, the Cecil Hotel had been linked to a variety of criminal activities, of course, uh, including housing serial killers such as Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker, and being the last, lone, uh, last known location of Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. the Black Dahlia. Because of many of the tragic deaths that have happened within the hotel, some believe Lamb was hiding from a supernatural entity in the elevator, and many point to her strange hand motions as a sign of communicating with the spirit. You know, it's it's really it's a crazy, crazy thing. There's also a uh, dark water connection, which is what I was telling you about before. And you know, there's a lot of the uh, armchair theorists that bring up the film 2005 called Dark Water suggesting that maybe someone murdered Lamb to copy the events of its plot. They point to the fact that the main character was named Dahlia, like the Black Dahlia, and the Cecil, uh, Cecilia, sorry, like the Cecil Hotel in the movie. Residents at the apartment complex where Dahlia and Cecilia are living complain of dark, foul-tasting water, which leads to discover uh, the discovery of a girl's body in a water tank on the roof. So, I mean, is it plausible? Sure. Sure. Amanda has a theory on it. She says that she believes she was murdered by human hands and not spirits. Amanda, I'm going to ask you why you think that. While channeling her, did something happen? Did, what, did you break through to the other side and, and uh, talk to this entity that she may now be? I think it's probably a homicide. Yeah, guys, I at first I thought the same thing. I literally did. I was like, wow, this has gotta be some foul human that, that did some foul things. Not a list of the murderer per se, but the more and more I delve into, you know, a lot of these a lot of what these people were talking about, and then I saw that video. I I don't maybe I should play the video again. Now that we know all that stuff. Maybe we should play the video again. You know what? I am going to play the video again. Because 
now that we've gone through what it is, when you watch the video, it seems a bit different now. You can watch for those signs. So let's bring the video back in one more time. One more time. And I know you're going to be like, well, he's playing the video again. This is worth it. All right, guys? Watch what happens in this video. Just watch. Keep an eye out for the foot that appears in one of the corners, too, which could possibly be somebody there. But. She's literally hitting every button in a sequence, too. It's the same thing she did in the very beginning. Motion of her hands. She's doing something right now. And remember, like I said, there's 57 seconds that forensic people who do forensic videography cannot find. And this supposedly was not tampered. And why would the door? Stay open for that long. Once this elevator goes to a different floor, you will see how long the elevator actually opens and closes. It's quick. There it goes. It closes. Granted, she was walking in and out, but when she stands in the corner, it has enough time to close without her being noticed by any kind of sensor. Watch. There's the other floor. It's open. Nobody's there. Watch how fast it closes. Why didn't it do that the whole time while she was down on the first floor? So, you know, 
there's a lot of wild stuff that's going on here, guys. I I don't truly think that it's just whatever. If I have to say so myself, I think that there is something going on in this episode. I really do, and I might be right, but I might you know I might not be right, but I don't might not be wrong either. So now that we've gone into that, and Omar says I don't think it's fifth dimensional people commit murders here in the fourth. It may not be that simple. This may not be, you know, a being that's of this dimension or any dimension that we know about. Could be an alternate dimension. Who knows? We don't really know. And maybe she opened up when she was doing those hand gestures. She opened up some kind of portal to let a demonic in or a malevolent entity. Who knows? There's so many things that we just don't know, right? So this next portion of the show with the last 45 minutes that we have, what we're going to do is we're going to go over six haunted locations. That's, you know, and, and Omar makes a good point. I thought that too, but there's a moment when she's sitting in the corner long enough that the door would have shut and it didn't. And then when she's standing outside, I'm pretty sure that the sensor is by the door, not in or in the doorway, not outside. It would have shut. For some reason, I think that, you know, the sensor does have something to, to do about playing like a role in it, but I don't think that it was as prevalent as we think it might be. I think that there was a broken sensor, if anything, but also that, you know, it should have shut multiple times, or at least it should have shut halfway. And you know, like when you put your hand in the door and have it go back open once you push on it a little bit, or you have to put your hand down. She obviously didn't have to do any of that. That door just stayed wide open, right? So here's what I'm going to do with this portion of the show. I'm going to share the screen, show you the house that we're talking about, because this is more residential houses, or they're not residential. They are famous houses and spots that maybe one day you'd want to go and investigate. But it gives you a little bit of the background story of why they're haunted. So what I'm going to do is I have, I have the article pulled up twice. So while going through the article, I'm going to display the actual house so you can see the house itself. You're not going to see me throwing this half. You're going to see the actual house, right? We'd probably rather look at the house than myself anyway. There's some nice colonial homes here. So as we share the screen, uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody who is out there. And, uh, you know, it's uh, this is the stuff that I love doing. I love discerning information. And even though we don't have any answers to what we're talking about tonight, I, I love exploring it. I think that that's something that we should be doing, you know? So let's go into this. This is the first house. Let's make sure that the house is the whole scene. There we go. So as we go through the houses, I'm going to scroll to them. I'm just going to basically go over the houses. So this is the first house in New York City. It's called the Morris Jamel Mansion. Built in 1765 by British military officer Roger Morris, this nine-bedroom villa is the oldest house in Manhattan. Some visitors to this estate-turned-museum go to see the site where George Washington once lived, while others hope to catch a glimpse of the ghost of one of its original residents. Eliza Jamal, Morris's wife, was one of New York's richest women through her marriage and prosperous real estate business person, you know? Her husband died 
under mysterious circumstances, circumstances which some suspect Jamal may have had something to do with. And though Elisa died more than 150 years ago, her spirit is said to haunt the mansion still. Visitors report hearing footsteps and rustlings, and some have seen a mysterious woman shushing passerbyers who they've identified as Elisa from her portrait inside of the house. There is so there is so much speculation around its haunted status that the museum hosts regular paranormal investigation tours. There it is. So as we go down to the next one, this is the Hoyt Mansion in Brush Park, Michigan. In the mid-20th century, this imposing brick building was a house of ill repute hosting a brothel for wealthy gentlemen looking for a companionship. Years later, the mansion sat, vacant, uh, sat vacant to living occupants. According to the local urban legend, several dead bodies were found in the house's cellar. And to make it an already gruesome discovery even more chilling, everybody's torso was said to have been marked with what appeared to be a perfect circle, an explanation or perpetrator never found. The house remains vacant to this day. Pretty wild stuff. So one of the first things that I, I loved about that first house was essentially that, I mean, it has so much history. And the fact that it was the first house on Manhattan, which is close to me, means it's accessible to where I am now, but also, you know, it's, uh, it's one of the homes of George Washington. And I'm sure it was a home during the revolutionary war time or maybe a retirement home, you know? And one of the things that fascinates me is the fact that most of these places are either now museums and still have paranormal tours that you can go and visit. I mean, one of the things that I would love to do is some of these places is to just bring the team in there and just go crazy, set up cameras on every room, you know, try and get that EVP that everybody's always looking for and really, you know, bring, bring a scientific level to the investigation. Cause I'm pretty sure that not a lot of these places have had, you know, that type of scientific investigation, the type that Brandon Alvis always talks about where, you know, you do things because, you want to find out this. You want to blend the science with the paranormal investigation. So let's get back to it, right? That's a nice house. This is the Laura Lee House in New Orleans. Doctor Louis Laura Lee and his wife Daphne moved into their Creole mansion in New Orleans in the French Quarter in eighteen thirty-two. They were known for their extravagant dinner parties and impressive social circle. But while their friends knew them as a very, the very model of society's finest and most Gentile, the couple had a dark and twisted secret life. The family's lifestyle was kept up by many slaves. And Mr. Mrs. Laura Lee 
was a was uh, particularly cruel to the people that she had enslaved there, which is terrible, terrible, terrible. She kept her cook chained to the kitchen fireplace, and neighbors noticed a constant stream of new slaves entering the home with no explanation about what happened to their predecessors. In 1834, a fire broke out, and the firefighter discovered the horrific scene in the attic. Seven slaves starved and chained to the wall in various uh, positions, indicating heinous torture. When the Laura Lee crimes became public, she disappeared and was never heard from again. But the same can't be said for her victims. For almost 200 years, there have been reports of paranormal activity in the mansion, including phantom footsteps and reports of moaning in the rooms where Mrs. Lorelei kept the slaves. Terrible stuff. Terrible stuff. This is one of those moments in American history that we don't like to speak about because it's tough to listen to. And the cruelty to people is just, it's on a magnitude that's just wild. And it's a terrible thing. It really, really is. But, you know, with all that being said, now what's happening here is, you know, it's it's a place where there is now a ton of paranormal activity. And this is also a place that I've definitely want to go check out because for 200 years, they've reported paranormal activity. That's a long time. A lot of places that you see have been haunted for maybe the last hundred years, residential wise, or, you know, because a lot of them haven't been shut down that long, but, and people have lived there. So uh, also we have to remember that a lot of the reports of paranormal activity go unspoken of for a very long time. Uh, of course, because of fear that people will be ostracized once they start talking about it. So we have to take that into consideration, too. But let's go on. Now, this house is in Iowa, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard of this specific house. So take a look at the house, and in the comments, tell me if you know what, what house that is. I'll give you a minute. That's the house, as you can see. It's a it's a pretty well-known house, pretty well-known. So, I mean, if you don't know what house this is, this is the Vishilla or Vizquilla Axe Murder House in Vizquilla, Iowa. As the name suggests, this is unassuming house in a small town of Iowa was once the site of a shocking crime. On the morning of June 10th in 1912, Mary Peckham noticed that her neighbors hadn't been doing their chores in the yard, uh, as was their norm. And in fact, the house was unusually quiet. Upon further investigation, Peckham found that the Moore house and the family of six, plus two overnight guests, were dead and their beds have been brutally murdered by an axe. While theories over the murders abound, the truth remains a mystery, and no one was ever convicted of this crime. Which, actually, a lot of these houses have that same story. So not only are you investigating paranormally, you can factually investigate these houses through paranormal means and trying to contact the entities that live there and find out what has happened. 
I'm sure that there is a lot of stories to be told in the paranormal of these houses, right? So the home is now open to visitors, and it includes an option to stay overnight. And people have reported hearing mysterious children's voices, door slamming, unexplained shadows that seem to follow people around the dark hallways of the house. Crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Oh, man, this is like one of those houses that you're just like, you know, you don't know what to think about it. You're like, okay, there's this heinous act. But like I said, what intrigues me about this house is nobody was ever convicted. And here's the thing about doing these types of investigations. When you're doing a factual investigation, you can follow a lot of what the authorities had found out at that time. They usually have documents they have census. They have all these different places that you can look for the written history of what they thought happened. So when you go into these places to basically do your paranormal investigation, you can address the entities with that information and see what they say to you so you can try and put those dots together. So this place is extra intriguing for me. So, you know, just just putting that out there. That's a It's a very, very cool place to uh check out so let's go to the next house let's do it i mean are you guys liking the houses there is the emily rose house yes that's not here but there's the emily rose houses uh it's out there there's a lot of houses out there especially in new york there's the hinsdale house you know one of the places that you can go check out is actually are you uh media network llc's home base of operation which is madison seminary we have a, a huge affiliation with Madison Seminary and Fairfield County Infirmary. Those are two places that I'm sure if you uh, ask the owner of RU Media, he could probably set up for you guys to investigate it. Of course, there are, you know I don't know the, all of the specifics of it, but you could definitely go check that out. There's a lot of good stuff over there. I know that if you're also looking to see what other investigations have proven for the Madison Seminary in Fairfield County, you can go to the RU Media um, YouTube page where there is Our Haunted Minds and Resident Undead, which is what RU stands for in media. So uh, check those out. They are great, great web episodes. Not like the stuff you're going to see on TV. They are actually, I think, way better. Way, way better. There's a lot of different tactics taken than the normal ghost hunters, you know, uh, haunted, you know, a lot of different haunted nation, a lot of the different stuff that they do that isn't usually done with TV. So I suggest you take it out. And Dave, I am a fan of what you guys do both on our, on our, you resident undead and our haunted minds. And, uh, you know, Eric's out there too. And, you know, you guys are the best, but you know, it's, it's wild to watch them do what they do. And, and, See how they do it. So if you're, you know, want to learn a little bit more about it, check them out. So let's go back. All right. So can anybody tell me what this house is? This house is actually a lot closer to me than anybody else. That's some of the other houses. This is the Amityville Horror House, which has had movies made about it. 
So everybody should know what this house is, right? So uh, just in case you don't, on November 13th, 1974, the 23-year-old Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. shot and killed his entire family while they slept in their beds, including his two parents and four siblings. Ronald confessed to the murders and was sentenced to 25 years to life. Just a year later, Georgia Kathleen Lutz jumped at the chance to buy the stately house for a bargain. They lived there for just one month before leaving in a hurry. And the story of what they experienced in those 28 days has been a subject of speculation, including inspiring the books and the film's version of the Amityville Horror. The Lutz family had claimed that they were awoken the mor- every morning at 3.15 a.m., which they later learned was the approximate time of the DeFeo murders. Their children, they said, began sleeping on their stomachs just as dead DeFeo children were found. They reported a plethora of phantom smells, sounds, unexplained phenomena, including green slime oozing from the walls. Many of these details have been questioned, but the Lutz family insists that the house gruesome history haunts it to this day. Wild, 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 guys. Wild. That's wild. That's a crazy thing. The Amityville house, you know, it's oh, it's just a, it's a wild, wild thing, you know? There is so much ill repute in these houses between being brothels and heinous crimes. Of course, there's going to be paranormal activity. We know that these traumatic experiences, they literally breed this this, this environment for paranormal contact. And, you know, it's one of the things that people that that aren't so much into the paranormal, we don't ever condone the actions. But... We want to do justice by the victims. You know, we want to tell their story and by contacting them while they're on the other side or even trying to help them cross over if need be. It's some of the main objectives of paranormal teams that go into these places. You know, I mean, also, some of these entities, they want to stay there. They want to go where they're comfortable and they're familiar. That's why they stay in these places. That's why they do what they're doing. Now, this next one is not one I've heard of before I actually read this article. So this one is new to me, but let's go through it. So this is the the Whaley House in San Diego, California. Even before the house was built, the land beneath it was a very public execution and the hanging of a notorious thief, which some say suggest it was doomed to be haunted from the beginning. When Thomas Wiley chose this site for his family's estate in 1855, its fate was already sealed. From the time they first moved in, a series of unfortunate events, including a fire and a home invasion, plagued the family. So things took a turn for the worse in 1885, when the younger Wiley daughter, Violet shot herself in the chest. Since then, residents, workers, and visitors have reported seeing Violet still overwhelmed with sadness haunting the second floor where she took her own life. 
eerie footsteps, disembodied footprints, and unexplained cold spots are still frequently reported from those who visit this house turned into museum. So that is the six specific houses that we went into that are historic. And, you know, it's, it's tough to talk about the histories of these houses, but it's, it's, it's important, especially when you're part of a team and you're investigating. And I'll go into a story about why that is. So recently, we had done an investigation. It wasn't your typical investigation, okay? It was done over StreamYard, which is the platform I'm using now. And one of the wild things about this specific investigation, it was more, maybe it wasn't so much of an investigation. Let's call it a clearing for somebody's house, okay? I can't go into names, but as you all know, I'm the historian of my team. So going into looking at the history of this specific piece of land, and this takes place in California, um, I found out that the whole county was first a place where there was an Indian village set up. So it had a lot of Native American, uh, I forget the exact tribe, but it was a while ago. But it had a lot of a native, a lot of Native American uh, places that were like townships on this property in the very beginning of its settlement time. But then what happened is the gold rush came into this county. It was by a river, and a lot of the Indians had been either chased off or they fought with the Native American people. I apologize, I keep saying Indian. That's wrong on my part. But they keep a lot of these miners. They fought with the Native American people, and when they fought with these Native American people, of course, some of them died. So this county has 26 precise locations that are known to be haunted, whether they're residential or they even have a museum dedicated to all of the hauntings, right? So the, it, it's a wild thing to think about. What happens is, essentially, we go through the clearing. We find you know, quite a few things. There's a shapeshifter there, which is of Native American culture. Also, uh, once the clearing is done, the woman is completely happy. She's so happy that we did it for her. She was actually able to lay down in her bed again. And it was a really great. It was a really great. It was great. We did the right thing. We helped her out. But after that specific uh after that specific clearing, I kept having, you know, and I haven't really said much about this, but I kept having dreams of Native American things. You know, it was, uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's difficult to say. It was like more feathers and smoke, not really actual people in these dreams, but I had it for about a week and it kept happening. And then, you know, we had contacted the lady again and, once everything had calmed down there, those dreams stopped for me. Now, many know that my partner in the team is, we, we are called Spirits Unearthed Paranormal now, is Melinda, Rescue Media Melinda, who is of Native American descent. And, uh, you know, 
I didn't even tell her about that, but I think it was some, there was something there. And I think it was a way that the entities were thanking me for calming down the house. It wasn't them who were basically, you know, giving this lady a hard time. It was the other entities and they were battling them in a sense. And we reinforced their lines to help them move these bad entities out. And they were ultimately happy after that fact, which after doing that research, I believe what this lady was seeing was miners and native Americans. That's what was haunting the house. And once we cleared out basically the miners, the native Americans just stood clear and they gave us the, you know, the ability to do that. But they also helped us too, because I don't think we would have done it without them. And, I, I truly believe that they were thanking us in the end. And, and you know, that's just, you know, something I like to say. And I put that out there because it's something that happened to me. I can relate to it. I can put it out there and say, you know, that's the case. But, I mean, it was it was a really wild, wild clearing because I have never been able to see any entities ever. And I, for some reason, this was the one and only time that that ever happened. While working with Melinda, I was able to see everything that she saw. And I don't know if she was connecting to me psychically. And that's why I could see it all because she wanted me to see it or because the Native Americans were giving me that sight for that time to do that, to help them. And it's, it's a really wild story. And, you know, Eventually, one day I'm going to write it down and, and make, maybe make an article out of it so people can understand it a little bit better. But, of course, this is a confidential residential uh, clearing. So, I, you know, I'm not going to get into names or anything like that. But I think one of the things that really is intriguing about the area is that there's 26 locations within this county that are paranormal that have paranormal, you know, it has this paranormal uh, stigma to it. It's really, it's a wild thing, guys. It's wild. But on that note, we've gotten into quite a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank everybody for coming tonight. I had a great time. This has been a great episode. We are ending a little bit early, and I apologize. There are some, uh, there's some stuff that we have to get to after this. But uh, I want to thank everybody for coming in tonight. Um, it's been a, it's been an awesome show. Uh, like I said, we started off with, you know, the ancient Greeks having some kind of computer device all the way to haunted locations and an unexplained death in the middle. So we did a little bit of true crime, a little bit of history and a little bit of paranormal activity. Oh, no, I say it was a good show. But uh, join us back here next week, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on RU Media Network. Uh, also, please go to full spectrum universe business page give us a like and uh hopefully we can uh grow even further but uh we have a lot of episodes coming out this week i know we have next week we have the ghost sisters they are going to be doing their uh, paranormal justice again and uh we've got another a couple episodes on my end i believe we're going to be bringing back full spectrum news next week we're going to have it a little bit of a different format so stay tuned for that and this has been Rob Yox, the Saturday Night Savage, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Have a good night.